Welcome to Parent to Parent, real-life tips to raise resilient kids. A podcast from Communities That Care of Greater Downingtown. This is Chrissy Jambowski, and I have two young kids. And I'm Beth Ann Sinelli, and I have two adult kids. Together, we'll meet with experts and fellow parents to share personal stories and provide support and actionable steps to strengthen your family and raise healthy kids. We're glad you're here. Let's get started. Welcome to Parent to Parent. This is Chrissy. And this is Beth Ann. And today we are super excited because we have a very special guest joining us. Uh, my dear friend, Rosie Salome, who um, was here locally in Chester County with us and in the last few years moved out to Colorado. And we're so excited that Rosie's here today to talk with us about a recent presentation. Um, I had a chance back in June to attend a statewide conference in Colorado with Rosie and Rosie's presentation was called creating joy among the chaos. And as a follow-up to that, I thought the information that Rosie shared in the conference was perfect for so much what we have been talking about this past year on our podcast. Um, as we talk about mental health and we talk about stress and, you know, sort, sort of talking about affect with, with kids and in our professional lives and in parenting world. So I thought, how great would it be to have Rosie come on our podcast today and kind of give us the highlights of that presentation. And then we can sort of tie it into the things we've been talking about for parents and also for professionals you know, who are working in the field and working with youth, um, adolescents, and young adults. So, um, Rosie, welcome to our Parent to Parent podcast and joining Chrissy. And I thought we could start, Rosie, of course, at the beginning, although I, I feel like I know lots about you, but our listeners don't. So if you could kind of just share whatever you'd like to share professionally and personally about yourself to kind of set the stage for our conversation today, that'd be awesome. Yes, thank you, Beth Ann and Chrissy. Thank you so much for inviting me. I, I'm very excited about this because I've been working on a and developing a workshop for educators. So first, I'll just tell you that I've been in education for over 25 years. I've been a math middle school teacher in Chester County through the a few different areas. I was in the Catholic school system. I was in the public school system. And I also had the pleasure of working for the Chester County Intermediate Unit for about seven years. And I was a math specialist there. So I worked a lot with with teachers supporting their classroom and working one-on-one with students in small groups. But in the last three years, Three years ago, as Beth Ann knows, I moved to Durango, Colorado for my own personal purpose with my family. We are very much outdoor people. We ski, we mountain climb, we mountain bike, and we rock climb. So we decided after our kids went to college, we were going to move out there. And I've been working for the last three years in Durango School District, also working as the math specialist as well as math teacher for middle school. Interestingly enough, while I was working at the intermediate unit, I was doing some professional development and I decided to take a graduate course at Westchester University in mindfulness for the teacher. And the the basically to to give you a gist, mindfulness was supposed to be the the point was to help the teachers help the students right it's always about the students and what we can do to better serve them and as it turns out i kept going back to this idea in my head i can't help the students until i help the teachers and so i kind of had this idea of developing a program for teachers specifically to help them with their own personal self-care and mental health. So that's kind of how I came up with the idea. But unfortunately, COVID kind of blew that up and put it on the back burner. And then I just kind of, I didn't do anything about it. So when I moved to Colorado, I was doing my own personal care with mindfulness. So I've been doing this for, you know, probably five, six years now. And I decided I need to do something to develop this program because I keep seeing, I keep seeing 
burnout. And I keep seeing teachers mm-hmm. that either, you know, the, don't want to stay in the profession or if they do stay in the profession, they're just hanging on and they're yeah. not taking yeah. care of themselves. Yeah. So that's kind of where yeah. all that started. I think that's pretty consistent just from, you know, Mm -hmm. I have family members that are teachers that work in schools, work in education, where they feel like they can't even, they miss it when maybe it was the early days or the more beginning of their career where they felt really enthusiastic and really like, this is what I do. Here's all the things I do for my kids. I teach them in the classroom. And I also am checking on them and noticing that this kid maybe isn't is sleeping more in class and like falling asleep. What's going on there? Let me talk, reach out to that kid and talk to that parent. I also notice, you know, I'm helping this one kid get to the nurse because this is happening. So it's like the triaging of all the extra care that goes on. Yeah. But whereas the burnout so high now, teachers are feeling like, I I just got to get through the day and I got to get through these lessons and I got to get through here. And, and it's interesting that you started this journey before COVID and before we even got to this public education system and all the things, but now it seems more critical than anything else. Yeah. The need is just increasing as every year goes by. I mean, I just saw a statistic from the national center of education and Every year, 8% of teachers leave the profession and then another eight move to a different school district for whatever reason. They don't feel like they're getting the support and they think if they go to another school district, it will get better, which it's not. So that's a total of 16% turnover. Yeah. That's that's not good. And and unfortunately, the teachers like myself who stay, it doesn't mean we're not struggling. It just means that we're hanging in there. Yeah. Yeah. And I think I think the thing that that in the last year, Rosie and I talked a lot about this topic where we're going to get in here. Um, And I think it really is appropriate for all educators, um, anyone who's working with youth, you know, whether you're in a school setting or not. And then, of course, for parents. And what Rosie and I, I think landed on was that I would be sharing with her what's happening back here in Chester County or in Pennsylvania. And it was the same situation. And when I went to the conference in Colorado with Rosie, they were sharing the, the edu- educators that were there were saying the exact same thing as the folks in Pennsylvania. So, I mean, we kind of knew that, that right. across the board, the, the issues, the, not the educational instructional issues, but the student health and wellness issues, the mental health issues, what parents are, are dealing with um, all of that is universal like right. across this country. And so is the burnout. And so, and I think in parents, and parents are experiencing it. Educators are experiencing it. The kids are in the middle of this and we're not minimizing the importance of instruction and academic success and learning, but at what cost? And we have to really talk about the, the folks who are, you know, whether it's parents or educators and are they in a good place with their mental health and their self-care that they can meet these really challenging, complicated needs of kids that until that's addressed all the learning you really can't do it. Right. And here's a, here's an example. It goes along with what Chrissy was just saying. It's funny because I see it every year, beginning of the year, we are so motivated. We're rested. We're optimistic. We're prepared. Even if we're somebody that's been teaching for 20 years, we always get that summer break and we are ready. We go to professional development. We're optimistic. I mean, right now I'm ready for the year. Our self-care, what I call our self-care bank account, is full, right? So, but a funny thing happens. I always say this to Beth Ann. A funny thing happens as we get into October. We gradually begin to feel the stress and fatigue of day-to-day, period-to-period, feeling overwhelmed, not just for ourselves, but we absorb all of the student pain, all of the student sadness, their anxiety, their depression. We absorb that. So now we we start to feel it, right? So we gradually begin to feel overwhelmed and then we're really depleting what I call our self-care account. I mean, it's all being depleted. So by October, we're just saying to ourselves in the hallway or to ourselves or to our families, okay, when is the next vacation? When is Friday? We and then we say on the weekend we'll do something for ourselves. 
Maybe we'll wait till Christmas break. Then we'll do something for ourselves to replenish all of this stuff that we're losing. But unfortunately, once you're depleted, you're just hanging on and you're in, in autopilot mode. You are not mm-hmm. teaching at a high level that you want to for your students. So where does that leave us? So that yeah. really was my initial uh, inspiration to say, you know what, there yeah. has to be a way. And maybe we just have to start with the foundation of how to take care of our teachers with their with their mental health and their self-care. Oh, yeah. And I would bear to say that description is also how a lot of parents feel. I think like one of my most recent blog posts was just about like not how to force feeling between myself and my kids and their mm-hmm. daily emotional roller coasters because it's just like it's so easy to get sucked in and to like absorb all of their like energy and stress and moods. Yeah. And they're totally just like dysregulated with their non-developed brains. And like (laughs) cognitively, I know that, but I'm also just like, can you just put the plate in the sink, please? And can it not be a power struggle, please today? Like, please. Like, and and it turns into a whole thing. Like, so yeah, it's Here's really hard to too. have that equanimity. Right. Rosie, I just want equanimity. I want to be, <laughs> I want to be like Daniel Tiger's mom. I just want to be <laughs> mom and Zen going through my day, not go. getting rocked. And it's really, really hard when you have two people who right. are just at you every second because you're like the leader of the ship all the time. Like. Right. And so well, and here's of- another perspective. The reason uh, Beth Ann and I know each other is through a women's climb group. We both rock climb. Beth Ann came into the gym one day and she was absorbed into our group. And one of yes. the one of the That's motivating cool. factors for me to start this group, because I am also a rock climbing instructor, is to get women to understand and jump into the idea that. You have to value yourself just as much as your family and your kids and your spouses and your partners, because you can't be good to your family and we can't be good to our students unless we're good to ourselves. So that's that's yeah. really important. Yeah, a lot of parallels. Where my, my little workshop comes into play. So Rosie, I was able to look through your presentation and that kind of helped us put this episode and the outline together of what we wanted to cover today. Um, And in that, you talked a lot about extras. So can you explain what you mean when you're talking about this extra that we all have in our lives? So for me, it's really important to, to know your background and where you get what I call your extra. So let me just give you a little precursor. Um, I am one of 11 children. And so I grew up, admittedly, with a lot of chaos. I lived through chaos. Mm -hmm. In my family, we had clear family dysfunction, whether it was alcoholism, sibling rivalry, just the day-to-day. There's times that, you know, there'd be a pile of laundry on this big table, and you just had to go figure it out. So it was chaos. But what I realized at a very young age is that within that chaos, I was able to find my value from my siblings. I discovered amazing music. To this day, I go to concerts on a regular basis. I learned that from my siblings. I also learned team sports. I had seven brothers. So I learned from a young age, if I wanted to connect with my siblings, specifically my brothers at the time, I had to play team sports. Um, So I learned competition, confidence, resilience. I learned friendship, laughter, and love. So all that stuff that I learned within my chaos of my family, somehow down the road, I transferred into my professional life. I realized that if I wanted to be a teacher, I had to know there's going to be chaos and I have to find specific um, joy within the chaos or, or value for myself. So the extra is the thing that I call all that stuff that, that I see as my value. 
So as a teacher, you know, we go into the profession thinking, I, you know, I have something to give these students because I have this extra to give. I have all these experiences where all this, you know, think all these things that I learned as, as a kid, I want to give to these students. I want to teach them how to be critical thinkers, how to get through the chaos of their own family dynamic. But what I didn't realize is that it, that can be diminished if you don't take care of yourself. So the extra is what I see as all the stuff that we do to make us happy or give us joy on a regular basis. No, I think it really does. And I think what's really, really important there is the idea is that you have to be really purposeful about it. Right. And I think that once you, it's like any, any behavior, like if you go for a walk or you go for a run or you, you know, you have to actually do it. Right. And, and what I didn't realize as a teacher is I didn't anticipate the fact that the extra or what I call our self-care account or bank account is not yeah. unlimited. I mean, the right. wealth extra eventually runs dry if we don't replenish it and proactively yes. save it for ourselves and our families. And as a parent, I think it's like that thing of where you just sort of lose sense of yourself and like who you are before you took on these different roles. It actually makes me think of, yeah, yeah. So I've been watching the Sex and the City reboot on HBO. It's called And Just Like That. Right. We love it. It's my most favorite show. Well, both the original and the reboot. But in it, there's a scene with one of the characters. I don't know if you saw some yet. I don't know. In it, there's a scene with Charlotte, one of the characters. Oh, yeah. When she has this whole, like, tantrum-y, but also kind of light bulb moment with her husband. Identity. This, like, identity thing. Yeah. She's like, yeah. oh, my gosh, Harry, like, I'm doing this for this one kid. I'm doing this for the other kid. I'm doing this for my one friend. Like, where am I in all of this? I lost myself. Right. And she has a job offer on the table and she decides she's like, I'm going to call this person because I want to work at this gallery and I need to find myself again because right. I don't even know who I am anymore. Like right. I yeah. completely lost my identity in a sense of self. And, and it's so a shame really that we're not proactive about it and just say, let's try to figure out how to lose it in the first place. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I and know. Let it go, yes. go and go and go and go. And then you just sort of sit there and you're just like, and granted there's different seasons of life. Like right. yeah. I have a family member who just had a baby and has like a young child and it's just the day-to-day grind of like right. the baby you can't put down and the four-year-old at your feet. Like, and it's just, everything is, a, it's impossible to leave your house, but you're like, I just have to leave the house. So I feel like a normal person. Like yeah. seasons where you just have to get through yeah. those things. But if you're doing that, you know, but it's very easy to let all those seasons just like mush together yeah. so that you get to the point where you're like, but where, where are the things for me? Like, what's the stuff that makes me feel most like myself? Yeah. And I think that we're at a point now too, in a school setting that we kind of know all of this stuff. Like, you know, back last I know this is important, self-care and yeah. mindfulness and all of this stuff's important, but yet I feel like the school day really doesn't permit a whole lot. No. Like you have to be creative with this. I think you have to be like really, like really thinking about it because I think that it's, um, it's the kind of thing where you just plow through. You just push through until there's a breaking point or until. Like I said, you're going through autopilot and you're just waiting for a break where you can be sleepwalking autopilot. Yeah. The business, the pace at which a lot of families will live their lives also doesn't, you know, we talk about again, time and space, like we aren't intentional about setting those things aside. Like it's easy just to, you get really busy with birthday parties and sports and family events and activities and stuff where if you're not making that intention, you can kind yeah. of get lost. Right. Yeah. The good news is there are <laughs> things that we can do. That's what we're going to, and that's what we're going to talk about. Yes. So we want to hear the secrets about the secrets. how we refill our extras and replenish our tanks, our tanks, bank accounts, our self-care accounts, bank accounts. So let's take a quick break. And when we get back, Rosie, you're going to give us your top three strategies for self-care again. So we'll be right back. Hey, Chrissy, how are you? Hi, Cheryl. Oh my gosh. I can't wait for the parent-to-parent groups to start up again. I'm excited to see everyone. I know, me too. 
almost everyone that attended in the spring said they would be returning too. So what are some of the topics this year? We have some really good ones planned. Our topics include sibling dynamics, family culture, balancing the busy, and more. I'm sure it will inspire some great conversations. And it's still every month starting in October, right? Yes. Each group meets once per month from October to May. Okay. Where do I go to register? I need to do this right now so each session is on my calendar. Go to dtownctc.org and click the Parent to Parent tab. If you select groups, you'll find the details. Perfect. I'm registering right now. I can't wait to see everyone. Me too. I'll see you real soon. Uh, So we're back. And I think that in the beginning of our conversation today, you know, we've been able to sort of talk about what's happening out there um, in the the world of, of, of teaching and for educators and for parents. And what's always really important to us on the podcast is that we also talk about strategies and resources and some um, take action steps that we can do to help us as we're talking about this topic around around self-care and mindfulness and, um, you know, mental health. And as Rosie said, you know, filling up our, our personal self-care account that we have. So now that we're back, Rosie, what we'd like to chat a little bit more about is If you could share with us how we can all refill our extra, as you call it, kind of our superpower here, like how does that work? And if you give us some examples of extra and then how do we actually go about doing it? Um, Well, I think you have three points that we're going to discuss and then maybe get a chance to try one or so of the activity. So um, we'll start talking about that. Okay. So as I said, my extra is just everything that gives you joy on a personal level. So when I present my workshop, as I did in Colorado, um, the first thing I do is just have everybody discuss, reflect what your definition of joy is, because everyone's a little bit different. And some people get into this mode of like, I just, you know, I'll be happy once I'm, on vacation or once I get this done, yes. or once I get a new car, they very, you know, we have these goals of what we think joy is. And so that's the first thing. And we can do something, you know, just talking about that. Well, how do you, how do you two define joy in your oh, life? Oh, I know. I mean, that's, that's one of the activities that I do is just it is. talk about it. What may, What defines it for you? Because we can't, go beyond that unless you know what it is for yourself. So for me, it's personal experiences that make me feel um, accomplishment or positive interactions that, that I think create lasting impressions. It could be nature. For me, it's a lot of being outside and, you know, just experiencing certain things that make me have that feeling of inspiration and, gratitude what about you i'm sorry i jumped right in there didn't I? no that's a good example it's very loaded very i know i know because i think we all want to say something like oh my family brings me joy my dog brings me joy my, be a little more specific. i like it when rosie always makes me like dig a little bit deeper with this question because i think that for me what brings me joy is definitely positive interactions like positive with people who get me People like like you're really I'm really connected to and you can be totally safe and comfortable with and they could be inspiring you. They could be supporting you. They could you just feel energized like right. that is a joyful. I also associate joy, which is ease, like it's an easy, peaceful. You know what I mean? So I think that's for me. Yeah. And here's another example that I can tell you. It's It's funny because I. I told you that one of the things I learned from growing up is I learned music. I love music and it inspires me. I can go to a concert. Bethann will tell you, I've been to over 300 concerts in my life. Yeah. And when I go to a concert for somebody that I really like and they fulfill me. I walk out of a concert with a feeling of, I am so energized. It makes you want to do something. It makes yes. you want to yeah. give that cool. energy to somebody else. Yeah. 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 We I would say, yeah, we have, we just feel like you're vibrating, especially like when you like leave. I mean, also because it's very loud, like sound, but still, it's just, it's just like, yeah. It gives you, 
Especially at something like a Kenny concert. Where oh, yeah. Christy and I have been to many concerts together. Mm -hmm. We're lots of concerts lots of together. Concerts. Yeah. Just kind of, I don't know. There's like the commonality of everyone just like singing. The positive. Together. It's very positive. It's like jo it yeah. joyous. I mean, it's, yeah. I would say a lot of, not surprisingly, similar things about the inside. I, I think, you know what it is? I think like even... Like, for example, yesterday, we just went to, like, the pool that we're, like, members of with, like, me and my husband and our kids. And I realized, like, it's very, it's not a regular thing for the four of us mm. to do things together mm. in being present with each other mm. in tech. Because a lot of the time, it's like, and granted, we've been moving, so we've been in a very tag team. like, okay, you're going to go here and go do this. You can go to Lowe's and do that thing and whatever. And then I'll get the kids, and then I got to do this, and I got to work, so you take them and a lot of tag teaming things so like to me it's like those simple just mm. when everybody's just clicking like it's there's just like the ease piece of it but also everyone's present we're not being distracted by screens you're just able to be present and just kind yeah. of live in that moment and and also you stop and recognize like oh yeah you're like and this is and it doesn't have to be like a huge, crazy, like big trip or anything, which is also nice because I think travel does bring me a lot of joy in going places and seeing places with people, even if it's the same places that we've always gone to that are, you know, mm -hmm. traditional things, but also new places. Like just having really good present connection with your people, whether that be your friends, your family, as a teacher with your students, when you see that light bulb moment in them, because I also, I do teach know costumes as an adjunct and just when you have them and you just can have this back and forth and everybody's kind of like oh, like yeah it's a good like when you're a good class you feel uh, it yeah you can feel it when you when you just yeah energy's real good energy's really good and you can see like okay they're getting it like the learning is happening like i got all on the same page like that's a really good feeling right like, and the trick to that is when you do feel that feeling to really take it in and internalize it. And that's where you get sustainable joy, where you that's internalize it and it lasts beyond that moment. That's key. But that means really takes paying attention. Yes. Really, like, you know, I know and that- And that's where the mindfulness comes in. So but the, that's it. It's because it's element. Yeah, that normally flies by you. Yeah, or you're like in such a hurry to get to the next thing that you're like, ah. Oh. So whether it's a simple, Rosie, I just think about what we were just talking about, um, the rainbow thing, you know, like that example that you gave. Yeah. We also talk about what I call spontaneous joy. Yeah. And, well, here's an example of this. Yeah. Yeah. Do that. So one. Like at the end of my school year in May, we took the eighth graders on a field trip, which was camping. So we went overnight with eighth graders, 200 eighth graders. Oh. Um very local, but it, you know, it was beautiful and there was a lot of great things about it, but I have to admit I was stressed. There was, there's a stress about that to give them this freedom when we're supposed to be their protectors and we're supposed to be their guides. And so anyway, we, it all worked out. We went there for two days, but unfortunately we came back from the camping trip on a Thursday night and had to go back on Friday. Oh, so school? The scheduling of this was not thought through. However, we had to go back. So I can honestly say Friday night and Thursday night, I was so tired. I didn't want to go to school. I was not in a good place. Friday, I'm thinking to myself, driving to work. I'm thinking, I don't have a lesson plan. I don't even know what I'm doing today. Let's hope that these kids, you know, can function. Because we yeah. got back late. So drive into work. I live on the top of what is pretty epic mountain. So I'm driving down to work and it had just rained and I see the most amazing, brilliant rainbow I've ever seen. So in that moment, I pulled over for about three minutes. I just sat there and watched and it absorbed it. And do you know, as small as that was, that gave me so much joy. That gave me the extra I needed to get through that day. And because I went into the situation and I, I shifted my thinking a little bit more, I was a little more positive yeah. at the end of that experience. My day was great. I had a great day. 
And so that's what I call spontaneous joy. If you're open to it and you're aware enough, you can get that every day. I mean, that's a dramatic example, but we have opportunities for this extra and joy every single day if we're willing to open ourselves up to it. Being mindful. That is mindfulness. That is the... That is to me the definition. It teaches your brain. That is Mm. the piece of it. it, it, And you don't really know that it's happening. I feel like like it's it's almost like you do the meditation or you do the mindfulness practice and you're like, okay, now I'm done with my 10 minute meditation or whatever. But then later on, somehow it like magically like, I don't know, ninjas your brain so that you're able to do that again later. Like, cause I found this now with my, cause I do like the calm app because I was really hype on it and doing really well with it. And I haven't been on it probably since like May, maybe early June, but very bad calm, not calm mapping at all. Mm-hmm. So I need to get, because you do feel it when you're not using it. Like that's yes. interesting. It's residual. And I'm sure, it, yeah, can yeah. you talk about that, Rosie? Because I know that's one of your things on the checklist too, yeah. because the mindfulness practice, like you're doing the mindfulness when you're in the practice, but it actually, the whole thing is it ends up benefiting you when you're not doing it. Yes, yes, it gives you it gives you a clarity, clarity that you might not have normally. It teaches your brain to go back to being present. So here's an yeah. example of that. I mean, you know, we can we can talk about the practice and the, you know, the 20 minute or the 10 minute or the five minute, you know, meditation practice, but it's like any kind of sport. You're basically strengthening that part of your brain that helps you see things in a slightly different way. So for example, the one thing I really try to bring out into my workshops is that we, 90% of the time, and this is what what I'm about to say, is all based on um, psychologist John Kabat-Zinn, who is basically the father of mindfulness practice in terms of chronic chronic illness or stress. It is proven over the years that it, it, it does not take your problems away. It does not take away your chaos, but it helps you manage the moment of stress. Yes. Chaos, right. It helps yep. you manage the chaos. So most of us, including myself, it's taken me a long time and I'm still working on it to realize that most of our thinking is either dwelling on the past whether it be focusing on guilt of a situation or dwelling on some situation or decision we have made or worrying about the future. That is 90% of our brain throughout the day. If you, I mean, it's, it's kind of scary that that's what we do. Our brain, if I do this thing where I have everybody close their eyes for a minute and just do nothing. Just I don't even give them any instructions before it starts. Just for a minute, I'm going to time us. And most people at the end say a, a few things. They say, number one, that was a long time. <laughs> just don't even know what to do with that minute. Because everyone feels like they have to do stuff all the time, right? You always have to be doing something. So the other thing that happens is they respond by saying, yes, I was thinking about something from the past, but most of the time it's not reflecting, it's dwelling and there's a difference. And then the other response is, I'm so worried about what I'm going to do tomorrow, what I'm going to do with my kids, what I'm going to do with my lesson plans. I have a meeting tomorrow. I have an observation. You think about all the things that you're worried about for your future. So you're not in the present moment for 90% of it. And then every once in a while, I'll have somebody say, do you know, I noticed that something, I heard something outside, whether it was the birds chirping or whatever. And I'm like, clearly you have some little bit of insight in mindfulness because that's all it's about. It's about learning how to get your mind to keep going back to the present, even though we move through this chaotic day of past and future. So true. So true. So if we, what would be, and I know there are so many things, Rosie, that when we say, you know, uh, for the practice of this or how to, how to find that extra, how to focus on it, um, how to do this on a regular basis. Um, 
I think you have three. Um, and we, we call them activities, strategies, practices right. to, that we can try on a regular basis and then, you know, see how we feel. And, and to, to Chrissy's point, then think about like how it's kind of residual and it pays off later on during the day. That and you- just finding, yes, finding five minutes. So here's an example that I give, give yourself five minutes, whether it's in the middle of your day, the beginning of their day, and just try it. Experiment for one week and, and for five minutes, sit, whether you close your eyes or you just look at the ground, observe what's happening with your specifically your breathing, not breathing in terms of what, what we need breathing for, but really concentrate on the actual experience of the breaths going in and out, the sound of it, how your abdomen inhales and exhales. And you kind of feel that part of your body moving in a rhythmic way. Um, Things like that. So for people that are a little um, hesitant to try full-blown, you know, workshop on mindfulness, there's little things you can do. So that would be one, five minutes a day, just because most of the time people will say, I don't have time for this. Uh, So let's start with five minutes. Every single person can take five minutes and, and you're just observing, you're noticing what's happening in your body because your body is a powerful thing and you can really notice things that are physical to you or mental health observations. You can really get get to know yourself and get to know how your body works in certain situations. Does that make sense? It's a... Yeah. Yeah. And you can start with that. I mean, I think there are small steps. That is a great starting point. Right. To just be able to to do that. Um, and I think that's that's relatively quick. And we, we yeah, we can find time, you know, and we should find time because it is a priority and it's really so important. And it's, you know, as important as any of the other things on our checklist might be. But and another uh, great point about the mindfulness in terms of just not being just this practice that we do when it's over, but like take time every day to notice something about a sense one of the five senses. So for example, when I go hiking or I go running, I finish. And when I walk back to where I'm walking, let's say there's sand under my foot or rocks under my foot. I try to not only notice the sound, but distinguish it from our judgment of what it is. So for example, if a car is driving by, instead of saying you make this judgment and you automatically predict, oh, that's a car driving by, instead of what does it sound like? What is that sound? And how does that sound make you feel? Versus that's a car and then we just dismiss it. How about fires against the road? Notice what, what, what sound is that? Yeah. What's, what's, coming up into your senses when you hear that sound or when you're doing the calm meditation what what does that sound emotionally connect with you how does it connect with you emotionally so it's, it's more than just sitting there and and being quiet it's about actually noticing emotions it's senses but for what they are and not for our judgment of what we know yeah does that make sense? Oh, yeah, because yeah. judgment's a big part of this, too. And because when you start placing judgment on it, and, and I think that's when, yeah, I, I mean, that's probably the thing you don't you don't want to do. You know, Correct. You in that moment. And, and in that moment, not in that moment, that, no. It, you know, it took me, you know, I've been doing this for five years. And the program that I went through in the graduate course, it was a year course. So it took, there was little pieces that you just take little by little to, to add to your repertoire of strategies. So that would be the first one. And then the last one that I was going to talk about. So we talked about just discovering joy and things that you can do. And that includes taking time to actually make a list and verbally say, what things on a regular basis would make me happy? What activities can I 
start doing if I don't do it already? If I'm if I'm a runner, okay, well, I don't want to skip that activity that brings me joy. I want to schedule it just like I schedule a doctor's appointment. But what I found in these workshops is that some people really don't know what they want to do to, to on a daily basis, create that joy. They honestly have never done it. So it's good to reflect and and talk with a few people about, okay, what kind of activities do I think I might want to try or things that I used to do and I don't anymore. Now I want to try. And it doesn't have to be something that's torturous. Some people just don't like physical activity. It could be reading. It could be music. It could be knitting or crochet. There's so many things that bring people their own personal joy. And that's why I like to, to have uh, people that contribute do it on their own and discover what they believe would be their strategy. Not me just throwing out strategies and you try. What are the things that you do though? What are your daily joy things? Um, I rock climb. I try to do that at least a couple of days a week. That's something during work time. You can't really do every single day. (laughs) So rock climbing, running, I'm very physical. So it would have to be something having to do with that. In the winter, I ski, I mountain bike, but then when I'm by myself, same thing. Like I said earlier, music is a big thing for me. And here's another thing. When I moved here, it was COVID. And one of the things that bring me the most joy is connecting and having experiences with the people in my life and my friends, my family. So I'm going to say the first year of, of living here was tough. You couldn't meet anybody Um, so that real big piece of what gives me joy was taken away for a while. And that's why Beth Ann will tell you, there was a lot of conversations and phone calls and texts on a regular basis with with us and other people that we were in our friend group with that to me, really, that really affected me and I could feel it. So I, I would, you know, participate in my mindfulness a lot more than I would normally have done that. So for me, that's what that is. And what most people will understand is think about that in terms of a regular, I'm a math person, your bank account. Every time you do these little things, these experiences, these meditations, these every single time we connect with people, it builds up our self-care account and it builds up our extra. I tell Beth Ann all the time, I had extra today. Yeah. on what I happened. I, I'll say I had a cool extra experience today. And, and yeah. that's what we want to shift our thinking a little bit in terms of just noticing the great things that happen every day, which brings yeah. me my very last yeah. part. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Experience is based on positive psychology. It's based on what I've really internalized over the years in teaching is, I don't know if you've ever um, heard of Carol DeWick. She's the one that basically developed the whole growth mindset versus fixed mindset. So it's all about positive psychology and shifting our mindset in a way that helps us appreciate the moments and experiences and not take them for granted. And most people will think, well, how do I even do that? Right. So there are ways you can do that. Allow our experiences, even the bad stuff, the pain, the fear, the anger, crying, allow ourselves to embrace those moments instead of avoiding them. Yeah. And being able to see the value in the experience. And then based on that, you gain strength, you gain wisdom, you grow as a person. Right. Okay. So I said all this and I'm like, you're like, okay, well, what do I actually do to experience that? Well, there's a couple of things you can do. One thing that I do is what we call the gratitude, gratitude circle, where you take a group of people or we can do it right now. This is a good one to practice. And we go around in a circle more than once. The first time you're going to notice something and we're going to do it a couple of times. And I, I want you to see what you notice as we delve into this. So my first thing would be, I am so grateful that I live in such a beautiful place. Chrissy, Mm. what's yours? Whatever comes to your mind, you can't think. Just don't think gratitude. It has, is this like a, a, yeah. What do you feel gratitude about? Honestly, I feel grateful that I 
have good health with the caveats. I have weird health things, but like for today, as I am sitting here today, I'm okay. And like I'm okay. the person I did my little exercise this morning. That's perfect. What you just verbalized, though, do you ever verbalize that? Most people don't. But if you schedule a time, even if you're by yourself, nobody's around, verbalize what you're grateful for. So, Beth Ann, your turn. Um, I'm grateful for my friends who are awesome listeners. Great. Okay, so we did one round. Let's do it again. But I want you to dig a little deeper. Give an example. Don't just say, okay, I feel grateful for my family. Um, my example would be I feel grateful specifically for my kids, but specifically how I've developed such a deeper relationship with my daughter in the last couple of years. We're, we definitely have the mother-daughter relationship, but I feel this connection with her that's really starting to be deeper. We talk about deeper things. She comes to me with questions that are more, not just, okay, mom, how do I pay this bill online? But <laughs> questions about her, her personal growth and her own anxiety. So the idea that she's open enough to talk to me, like that to me is huge and- Totally grateful. And it makes me want to cry. Oh, yeah, totally. It sounds so cliche, but like I'm I'm grateful for my family and for like my kids as much as they make me crazy. I'm grateful that the way that my life is set up in such a way with both of my jobs that I am able to be with them on a daily basis and be it's a weird double-edged sword where it's like, oh my gosh, it's all on me to do all the things with the kids, but I'm also grateful for it because I would not want to have it any other way. And that's a big luxury and a privilege to be able to have my life set up in such a way that I can be with their primary person with them all the time, if that makes sense. Yes. That's good. Great. Beth Ann? I'm going to stay with the kid theme as the old the oldest one on this podcast right now, because <laughs> I could say that being older is not something I'm grateful for. However, um, I am grateful that obviously my kids have now moved into adulthood, 29 and 26, and I get new experiences. So as an old person, um, I, you know, I, I feel like I, I, they are now part of my life where I get to do new stuff because of my semi-retired state. They're part of it. So if it's travel, if it's traveling, you know, to new places, if it's going across the country here or, or, you know, being in Europe or whatever it is, I get to do that with these really cool kids who are now my friends. So our like a little bit rosy, like, like it's shifted, right? I'm still their parent. And yes, they call me. But, but now in this re- semi-retired state of mine, I'm doing new stuff and they're part of it as adults. So now I'm like, oh, my God, that's so cool. Right. And I get to see, have these new experiences with them, sometimes for the first time, but now we're doing it as all adults. So it's a whole, so it's a part of aging that I was regretting, but now I'm grateful because well, I was regretting that I'm getting old, getting older, but wait a minute, that also opened up like retiring yes. opened up new stuff for me. And now my kids who are adults for part of the new stuff. Yeah. So that shift. So Beth Ann, what you have just done in that moment, you have shifted your mindset to your first sentence was, I am not really grateful for aging. However, you took the moment and you shifted it and actually in the end, we're grateful for that moment because of your experiences. Yep. So so the grateful circle, what it does, it opens people up to thinking a little deeper and more reflective about what they're daily gratitude is if you notice just in that little we just did it twice and in in my workshop i would do it you know i would make them do it three or four times and you notice even when other people are speaking i was thinking of like three other things i was thinking all right i'm so grateful for my husband who's truly my best friend and makes me want to be better than i am without him so And then I think about my friends, my relationship with Beth Ann. I, I, I just feel like as soon as you start speaking, it just triggers your brain into really yeah. 
shifting our thinking into all the positive things in our life. So that's yep. just one activity that you can do, whether it's by yourself, with a friend, with your family. You could do it with your kids. Mm. And, and, and see kids, yeah. Because initially, most people are very surface. But you make it go around a couple of times, even if they won't verbalize it, they're thinking. You just need the gaze of you, Rosie, looking at them, them through. It works. You know, instead of the hey. TV, like, eh. No, and, I will tell it you. Gave us, it gave us extra. I've just met Chrissy, and I feel connected to you. Like, you, it creates this, this space yep. where we have the opportunity to be in a positive, non-judgmental space yep. that gives us extra, gives us joy that's sustainable. And I saw this work in the workshop that yeah, we're in with, you know, I don't know, 25, 30 people that day. Really? And it started out, oh, I'm grateful for my pets. I'm grateful. Yeah, all of that stuff was happening. But as we kept doing it, we're doing it. People were really sharing deep stuff. Yeah. And you could see other people around the room going, uh-huh, uh-huh. uh-huh. Like, I'm getting sure. it. I'm there. And then I still remember some of, a lot of the stuff that was shared that afternoon. Mm-hmm. And Rosie and I talked a lot about it. And you really saw people. And it made others in the room dig deeper and also, you know, yeah. you walked out with a, it's a different sense of like, oh, yeah, I'm just grateful for, you know, that it's yeah. rain today or something. But as people really started to, to dig deep and share stuff, you're like, oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's a thing. I get that now. And, and there's the several work. activities that you can do with positive psychology. Just, you know, writing in a gratitude journal. People do that. Or yes. actually writing down or verbalizing, committing to a person that every day I'm going to come to you and tell you what positive experience I had today. Sometimes I think about, okay, I do mindfulness or I do the positive psychology or I do this thing with the joy. It's, it's a combination for me. That's why I designed this workshop that way. So there's, it's dimensional. It's just not one set of strategies. So that's what I think can be powerful if we incorporate all three of these, these strategies together, it can really make a difference for teachers and for parents and for anybody. But right now I'm focusing on really investigating how it would help teacher retention, uh, mm-hmm. the burnout. Yeah. You know, there, there's, there's not te- you know the teachers that are staying how do we get them to stay how do we get yeah. teachers to be excited again and that's mm-hmm. kind of where I am with this whole program that I'm trying to develop yeah 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 and paying attention to it you can't be dismissive and it's not going to get you know you can't just say oh the next break is going to solve this mm-hmm. or kids are still going to be kids Okay, I'm still going to be there. Right. Whether you're a school nurse, a counselor, a teacher, yeah, any anywhere you fall in working with kids in and out of school, it's that's not going to change. Mm-hmm. It's going to have to be us. As right. And, it, and it's, you know, people talk about, well, you can't change the education system. That's 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 a different level or the salary. Well, yeah. We talk about all this stuff, but bottom line is, it's all about us individually. And if we right. can do that, if we can actually find a way. To take care of ourselves. That's where the big change comes systematically. Yeah, Yeah. it does. You can't wait. You cannot, we cannot wait for this to go away, for that to go away, for this to improve, for COVID to be over longer. Come on, you're going to wait for a very, very long time. Right. Only to do it as the people that are in the system. Mm -hmm. We have to have a different approach. It's like a roundup kind of idea, right? Absolutely. That's and the ultimate goal is to, is to increase teacher retention and have a better mm-hmm. school community and improve mm-hmm. school culture. Isn't that the ultimate goal as a, as you know, in Chester County, what do we want for our school districts? We want, yeah. we want those things. Yes. So if yeah. we can develop routines that replenish our extra on a regular basis, mm-hmm. not just the weekends, not just winter break or summer break, I think it'll really open up some improvements. Great. It's universal. Do you have like a timer on your phone that goes off or something that's like reminds you to do <laughs> some of these things each day? Or have you just been at it so long that- I feel, feel like, like I, I schedule it like I schedule a doctor's appointment. I know that sometime during the day, I want to do my little, my meditation practice maybe can, can be 10 minutes or it can be 20 minutes if I do the full 
out what I've learned yeah. from my graduate yeah. course. So it does internalize. I mean, I've shifted my thinking where when people in the hallway start kind of, you know, people like to, teachers vent and that's okay. But when we vent for the sake of venting versus being reflective and figuring out how to change the way we react to things, I think that part is just internalized for me. I've been doing it so long. Yeah. It's practice. Just like, you know, it's, I really believe in growth mindset and it's possible to not change your personality, but to shift our thinking just enough to be optimistic and believe in optimism and not just think, well, optimism is just, I'm just, that's just not my personality. Oh yeah. We'll say that. They'll say, well, that's just not who I am. That doesn't mean we don't have the the ability to shift just a little bit to be optimistic about our own personal self-care. You know, the other thing I would just want to mention is if your school districts are interested in a program such as this, I am willing to Zoom or visit or. So here's my ultimate goal. We I did. I, I wanted to do an initial tryout period with this conference in Colorado. We did it in Breckenridge. It were it was a positive response. Mm. So what I have presented to my school district is to be a presenter at their first professional development in August before school starts. Yeah. A precursor. If I can Mm -hmm. get this to work, I would love to do the professional developments through the year and do some workshop activities that dive a little deeper than just an, an overview. Yeah. Yeah. I would yeah. like on a, you know, a weekly basis or a monthly basis, get, get together with teachers that are interested and just yeah. really examine how well we can incorporate these three strategies, these three components. Yeah. That I would be my goal. And I've told Beth Ann, my ultimate goal is to be a motivational speaker and, and travel around to different school districts and talk about this. Yeah. And then expand it to parents. I mean, there's parents groups, right? The PTOs and the anywhere oh, yeah. that want to hear this, I think uh-huh. it could fit and I could adjust. But my starting point was going to be with the teachers. Come back here anytime and chat with us anytime. Yes. We've got a lot of nuggets of gold in here. And like, it's just, we have to now, like when we hang up today, I have to be like, okay, I am. yeah. What? let me look at the rest of my day. Where's my 10 minutes where I'm going to sit outside with my headphones in and go to my sunset beach and have my little time and do my like calm app, you know? And, and honestly, can- I really, I, I find it hard to believe that someone can't take 10 or 15 minutes out from their day. When you see people scrolling their phones, oh. Being on the internet, like, I, I just feel like you, it's more about committing. And that's why you have to do it. You have to ease into it and not yes. think, all right, I'm going to take an hour for myself. That might not be realistic. No, so I just, you have to transition into it little by little. And that's why some of my activities are really short, quick things. They're not. Sure. And then you just build on them. It's just being observant. Yeah, just being observant. And maybe that's I the mean, thing is, too, if you just wanted to do one of these, you know, mindfulness or gratitude activities. Maybe you have it, stack it and say, okay, if I'm going to go on Instagram, let me do five minutes of this first and then I'll go on social media and like set it up that way to remind yourself and say, let me do my thing first because it does help you reframe and and kind of, I do always feel better after I do that meditation app. I always feel better after I talk to a friend, professional that I'm paying, but I love her. Like you do always feel better. Right. And, and, and being able to acknowledge that is half of the battle. People yeah. go through these really cool experiences, but they're like, go back to mindfulness. They're not paying attention to how much of an experience it is and how it's impacting their life. So they miss yeah. it. Yeah. yeah. Right? They're not present. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They'll miss it. Yeah. So. Oh, Rosie, this is great. Thank you so much for sharing all of your wisdom with us today and for coming on to chat with us i think this is this has just been a great conversation yeah it's personal you know this is a daily thing this is not like i have this mastered i still work on it (laughs) and beth ann will tell you i i had a rough year teaching this year Yeah. and if it wasn't for the things that i do beth ann's every three month visits 
is part of it. I mean, I would, my, my mental health has definitely been, you know, dependent on certain things to get me through the chaos. And I, I acknowledge it is going to be like this. I'm not trying to take it away. That's not the point. The point yeah. is strategies to, to manage. Our- yeah. It's shifting out of the, as soon as thinking and just like deal with it now. Like it's the, as soon as, as soon as I get to this thing, as soon as that's like you were saying, like you have to just, and if we take anything about today, that's a big one. Don't don't start living your life as soon as. As soon as I move, as soon as I get a new job, as soon as I get to an ass, right? Because there is so much great stuff happening every single day. And then I was going to end with a little quote that I just love. Michael J. Fox recently said, with gratitude, you will find sustainable optimism. Find something to be grateful for for every day, and you will find something to look forward to. Perfect. Perfect. Michael J. Fox. So awesome. Well, thank you for everyone for joining us today. You will find information and links to everything we talked about in the show notes. And be sure to click subscribe or follow in your podcast app so you can stay up to date on our latest episodes. And if you are liking our podcast, we would love it if you would share it with a friend. You would leave us a review, especially on Apple Podcasts that helps other people find the show. So we will talk to you soon. Thanks. Thanks, Ross. Thanks, Bethany. Thank you. Thank you. See you soon.